Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Our guest today is Misha Dollar, and Misha has a long list of achievements. So I'm going to read some of them out to you because I think if I read the whole list out to you, it would take up most of the podcast. So Amisha is a fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering. He's a 6G systems specialist. I'm, I'm sure we'll understand a little bit more about that as we go into the podcast. He's a professor in wireless comms at King's College London. He's an author. He's a, a distinguished member of Harvard Square Leaders. He is a Syrian entrepreneur with five companies, and I'm sure we're going to be delving into those. And one of them is a company called Moving Beans, which provides biodegradable um, alternatives to the Nespresso machine, um, the Nespresso capsules. So I've just ordered a couple of those, Misha. Look forward to those coming through. Mm-hmm. He's also a composer, a, pian- a pianist, and to, to top the lot, he's also uh, featured on Amazon Prime. I'm sure I've missed out things there Misha but a very big welcome to you would you just like to do a quick introduction to yourself yeah so I, I think you said it all really uh you know I, I I originally I really really want to become a musician you know and uh, I wanted to become a professional pianist ended up uh you know in engineering it's probably a podcast on its own but we are where we are and I'm very pleased to 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 still have time for my music as well for the technology fantastic a great blend of the two. Yeah, awesome, Misha. Really, uh, really pleased to have you on the podcast today. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation. Um, so, I just want to kick things off. I don't think we've ever had someone with sort of quite a, a varied background as yourself and like such a strong academic background, but also sort of uh, with business and entrepreneurship as well. Um, so, with that sort of varied background, I'd just like to ask you sort of a quick question to like start things off. What What would you say like great leadership means and, and looks like to you? Yeah. So. You know, leadership to me was never really kind of an act, right? And it's not a not a result per se, right? It's more you, you can almost call it a state of mind. That that's really how I see that. And uh, you know, the, the mind is very fluid, and therefore everything around leadership is also very fluid, right? So it's not something you work towards in a sense. It's you know, if if you're, I always see it like this: if you, if your state of mind is such that you're willing and curious about opening up new doors and conquering new territories, this is when you automatically kind of will be cast into what, what we would call a leader, right? Because you, to, to open up new territories, you need to, you can't do this alone. You need to do that with people. It's just the ecosystem today is so complex. You need help. You need an ecosystem. You need people who work for you, who work with you and with uh, for whom you work and with whom you work. So therefore, you will automatically hone your skills, uh, interpersonal skills, you know, uh, the people-driven skills, what we typically define as leadership skills. But it also means you need to manage things. You need to manage budgets. You need to do, uh, you know, projections. Uh, so you have that managerial part as well. And you also need to, to kind of almost be able to look into this crystal ball and say, this is what's going to happen. So you have that 
vision part as well, right? So therefore, as long as you don't go by the cookbook and say, yeah, I want to be a leader and, um, and uh, you know, I have to do this and that. I, I, I don't think this will work. So leadership, in my opinion, has to be really, you know, grassroots driven and you need to have this appetite and all the rest will somehow fall in place. Does that make sense, Colin? That makes absolute sense. And uh, I think that's a really, a really good way of summarizing. I quite like the, I think the, just the first instance you said, leadership is a state of mind summarizes and, and, and underpins that all really well. Um, and yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree with you on that. What, what traits would you say, Misha, make a great leader? I mean, you touched on some of them. You said uh, to have those interpersonal skills, have that open mindset, be curious. What else would you say? I mean, let's think of, say, um, somebody who's in a managerial role and wants to step into leadership. What would you say was kind of the, the key traits that they need to, to have to, to be able to become that great leader? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So, I, you know, my, my personal top one is all around ethics and integrity, right? So we're being taught a lot at school and university and all these startup programs, you know, it's business, you need to do this and that. We're being taught on hard KPIs. And I, I think really, a lot of stuff around soft KPIs is coming to short. And I start to see this. So, you know, I think we need our top priority as a leader, manager, entrepreneur, as a father, mother, you know, as a son, you know, in any type of position is that human element. And for me, that is really this ethical integrity. I think that's really my, my, my top number one. And that in the end also differentiates us from, uh, let's say, you know, other species in a sense. Okay. So in the, it's the ethics, which really uh, prevents us doing stuff which would give us maybe a quick buck, uh, uh, some quick money, but we may stop somebody in the back for getting there, right? So, and therefore getting the ethics right for me is the absolutely critical thing. So this is number one. Then for quite a while, there's nothing. So I just want to really emphasize that this is like so, so up on the, you know, on, on, in, in the sky. It's so important to me, the ethics, and it's coming to short. We need more of that. So that's number one. Number two would be the positive attitude. So never give up because, and I'm sure you will have heard this a lot, you know, to get things moving, to conquer new territories, to learn a new skill, to start a new job, to start a new company. You know, you have so many throwbacks in there. There's so many things which can go wrong, which go wrong. And if uh, for every single thing, you're just completely, you know, very desperate and you give up, it will not work. So you need this uh, positivity. You need this never give up attitude. And uh, if you don't have it, you need to learn how to build it. You need to put mechanisms in place uh, to make this happen, to call for help. So I think that's quite important. And the last one uh, to me is really lead by example. Um, you know, we can't have any more of these PowerPoint leaders, right? So you need people really to understand what you're doing. Get hands on, whether that is, you know, with the, in, in, in terms of getting people together, talk to people, communicate, or literally get hands on, you know, build things, help building things, you know, because you really need to be in the trenches to understand what's going on. So therefore, these would be my my top three in a sense, there's more, but my top three would be, uh, you know, the ethical integrity, this positivity, and the, the the hands-on lead by example type of stuff, yeah. And with all of those, the great thing is we can develop most of those as we, as we grow and learn and experience new things. And I love the fact that you've got the value of integrity right up there, because unfortunately, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel we see too many world leaders 
who aren't demonstrating that real integrity and value in their leadership roles. And that sets the wrong, wrong example yeah. um, across, across yeah. the world, I think. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Mm. So we need we need more for that. We need more of that, and we need to talk more about this. You know, we need to we need our leaders. We need our Jeff Bezos, our Elon Musk. We need we need them to talk about these issues. You know, so it comes out, um, and uh, it's being considered. You know, as as much as let's say an MBA, where you learn how to do discounted cash flows, uh, you know, SWOT analysis, Porter's five force analysis. So we, we just need more of that human element. For sure. Uh, what I like what you said there, Misha, I think a lot of those things are kind of like it all sort of ties into your mindset and your attitude and that sort of thing, which goes back to what you said at the start, which leadership is, is kind of this, this state of mind, um, the state of mind sort of thing. And the next question I wanted to ask you was if you if you felt like there was a particular moment or time when you stepped into being a leadership position. But before we dive into your answer on that, I think what you've said about it being a state of mind ties into a lot of the things that some of our other guests have said, where they've said to be a leader, you don't necessarily need to be in you know, let's say a leadership position, you don't necessarily need to be a manager or a head of or a chief executive, something or other. You can be a leader kind of no matter what level you're at or, or what your position mm -hmm. is, which I think is underpinned by what you've been saying about it being a state of mind. Um, so wrapping that up, I'd like to, to put the question over to you. Uh, sort of when was the first time you felt like you became a leader and, and what did you learn from it? <laughs> it you know, it, it's there wasn't a definite moment. I don't, I, I really don't think so. It's, um, you know, I was always that conqueror type of person in, you know, even thinking about this at the beginning of my career, probably I had a quite a few managerial roles. And then over time, probably I took some more and more roles, uh, in, you know, which, which probably today would be defined as, as leadership. So but for me, actually, interestingly, beginning of this 21st century, it's, I think it's all very fluid. And interestingly, Harvard Business Review has done a, conducted a study the other day, um, you know, just asking uh, people, you know, what, what, what is management? What's leadership? When did you tra transit? You know, what does it mean? I find it very interesting because I resonate with that a lot. And the, the, the summary of that article is, is that indeed managers and leaders at this part of the century, they're doing they're doing the same thing, right? They're doing they're asking the same question, they're doing the same thing, and they're they're kind of trying to achieve the very same results, but by means of you know maybe a different angle. So a manager will be more process driven, a leader will be more people driven, and um, uh, it, but in the end of the day, I think we need to remember you know in this twenty first century, you need to be both. You need to be both, and uh, one is as valuable as as the other in maybe my first moment coming back to your question Gollum, you know my first moment where you know I could probably argue I had a leadership role is when I started to take on people because I had to take on that more people driven uh, thinking and that was really when I started my first company world sensing because suddenly we had a team of people to take care of and I was the co-founder and, and CTO of that company and I had to take very hard decisions in terms of you know what does what do people do? How do we spend our money? So reconcile essentially, you know, managerial decisions about budget and all that with the vision which I had as a CTO. And then I had to make very hard calls. And I remember we had to ditch the technology. We spend a huge amount of money on that, but I knew it was lead, would lead us nowhere. And I took this call and we had quite a bit of discussions, almost fight, you could say. But anyway, see, in the end, it was the right call. And World Sensing today is really well because of these decisions we have taken. And, uh, and that's what I, when I realized this, you know, as a, 
that to really grow as a leader, sometimes you need to take hard decisions, which aren't easy for everybody, you know, to digest. And uh, maybe that was my uh, 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 pivot moment, but I didn't know at this point. I didn't know at this point, right? So that transformation happened back then, 10 years back. Awesome. If I could just ask a quick follow-up question to that, Misha, what, how do you think um, is that the best way that leaders can sort of develop the ability to, to make decisions like that that perhaps hard to do? Like, I find it difficult in myself. I'm, I can definitely be an absolute procrastinator when there's a big decision to be made. I often like spend probably too much time weighing up the decisions of either side of the, uh, either mm. side of the argument. So do you have any advice for, for sort of aspiring leaders to, to get better at and make those decisions? Mm. I listened a lot. It's a really, really great question you're asking, you know, and uh, I, it's very, I, I give you a very practical answer. I, I listen sure. a lot to, to me. I'm just telling you my point of view, right? So from my point of view, I, I realized, I observed myself, Misha, right? Zoomed out and, and I understood that I work in, in cycles. So maybe it's aligned with the moon. I haven't done the measurement. I should have done whatever, you know, it's about four weeks cycle. And uh, two of these four weeks, I'm extremely active, proactive, uh, you know, decision hungry. In two weeks, I'm very procrastinating. Okay, I, I'm just like that. And uh, I have learned not to force it anymore. So in my procrastination period, I just procrastinate. I just take it because I know that within a few days, I'm going into my next phase where I'll be very happy to take decisions, which currently take me, you know, which I really struggle with. So therefore, I'm, I'm structuring my agenda as much as I can such that, for instance, I do a lot of backlog work within the two weeks when I'm procrastinating uh, in the sense that I'm doing stuff which I don't need to take a heavy decision. You know, I just know that. I don't need to raise investment. I don't need to prepare a new course, whatever, you know. And then in the two weeks when I'm fully energized, I really go full on. And then when I'm full on, I take decisions very quickly. Okay, so I learned to take decisions very quickly and you can learn that too, Colin, and anybody can learn that. And the best way of doing this is to start small, right? So um, just a decision, I don't know, you, you for instance, when you're in your high decision phase in a sense, you need milk, right? So rather than going forth and back, jump in the car, walk over to the corner store, get, get that milk. So just action on small things. So your, your body with the positive uh, feedback type of psychology, you know, learns to, to really execute on this and really get that reward very quickly. And you will see that you will be able to take very big decisions very quickly. And then for a lot of stuff, you know, complicated things. So that decision, well, sensing I took as an example was a very complex decision, which didn't come overnight, but uh, I needed all that preparation time to digest the information. And when I took the decision, I took it very quickly, put mechanisms in place. So that's one way of doing that. Another one is you lock in mechanisms. You ask somebody to really make sure, uh, you know, to force you to take decisions. Maybe your parents, your mother, your friends, your co-founders, uh, put mechanisms in place. If you know you're procrastinating, put mechanisms in place, which prohibit you to procrastinate, right? So there are different psychological techniques but I'm personally listening to my, my personal cycle, if that makes sense. Well, that sounds fascinating to be kind of really in tune with your body to that degree. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Misha, you, we, we, you touched at the beginning about the challenges of growing a business, starting a business and taking it to the next stage of growth, which you've done on numerous occasions. And could you share with us like a time when you've faced a really tough, decision or you faced a very challenging moment um, in growing a business and how you dealt with that 
sort of your process for dealing with challenging moments and maybe some practical tips that you could you could give our our listeners because they love to hear about how leaders came through on a challenging moment and maybe give them some ideas and things that they could work with. That's a great question. I mean, from the, you know, from the entrepreneurial side, it's a tough, it's a tough decision every day. You know, it is, it's really tough. So I tell everybody, you know, the building a company, you know, and I've borrowed this from somebody who's is not my, my saying, building a company is like jumping off the cliff <laughs> and um, assembling an airplane on the way down, okay? And what I have added is, is that, and often without any instructions, okay? That's what it is. If you love that type of thing, then this is for you, but it's not for everybody. So, you know, in, in business, there, there's a tough decision to be taken every every single day. And, um, you know, I'm, I like to to really get equipped when I'm taking decisions. And um, so I actually upskill myself a lot. And then, and maybe, you know, when I tell this to people, they're really surprised about this. I'm, I'm actually at least an hour or two hours uh, a day uh, upskilling myself. So I used to read a lot, everything is now online. So I'm using platforms like LinkedIn Learning uh, or Udemy uh, or, you know, other massive open online courses. Uh, to upskill myself on various things, whether it's marketing, sales, product development, uh, cloud programming, quantum security, artificial intelligence. You know, I, I keep it, uh, I, I just like to, to upskill myself with that knowledge because brain is somehow a bit magical. We, we digest, we, we ingest all that information, we digest it, and suddenly it all makes things and my, it all makes sense. And my father once said, you know, uh, Misha, everything you will learn nothing you will learn is is wasted it, it somehow plays a role in this very complex structure within our head so and uh, that's why i'm upskilling myself uh, the other thing i'm doing and we learn to do as a team you know to overcome very difficult decisions is to listen to the market and uh, take really decisions which are as little kind of emotional as possible you know you can never kill emotion there's always a subjective element of that but if we can get market data if we can ask customers if we can get uh, market uh, you know analytics and and surveys and all that we would use that data to take really hard decisions you know decisions in the sense like do we close this business line do we sell it right um and in World Sensing, for instance, Ignazi, you know, we, we, we had this really, we in fact started that whole smart city kind of movement with World Sensing. And um, in the end, we, we sold it, right? Because it was a market decision we took, even though it was our baby and we started the whole thing. So, so essentially being, you know, being able to take this data decision stuff is very important. And the third one is maybe on, on politics. So we're trying to keep you need to learn to keep politics very low, uh, you know, within your company, between friends, people will screw up, right? So, and you have one coworker coming to you and saying, oh, this person really, you know, this and that. And this can get out of hand very quickly if you start bickering behind somebody's back. The narrative as a leader has always to be the same. You need to really be fair, cut this off all the time. I'm cutting this off, uh, you know, without any mercy, these type of discussions, because everybody makes mistakes, right? So we just need to, we need to tolerate that and we need to uh, cherish that. Um, and if you put it together, you know, that upskilling 
pop so nobody can actually um, bullshit you. You can beep this out in your podcast, okay? The uh, um, the market-driven decision uh, decision taking and uh, the no politics. I think if you put this together, you have a really good chance to succeed whatever you're doing. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers, Mitch. I think you, that was a, a lot of uh, a lot of helpful points that you just raised there. I'd like to go back to that upskilling thing, which you kind of touched, touched on a little bit at the end. Um, you seem like you spend, you know, as you said, you spend a lot of time, a few hours a day, sort of upskilling yourself with different different areas of different topics and, and things like that. And I think it seems, you know, to, to be successful as a startup, you kind of need that both like technical aspect, like you said about quantum security, and then also the sort of commercial aspects as well around like marketing and, and sales and that sort of thing. And then there's also many other areas you can upskill yourself on in terms of like your mindset, the way you think, decision making and, and all these different things as well. But if you had to boil it down to maybe just like one or two different areas, what do you think um, of that sort of upskilling that you've done has had the biggest impact on, on your ability to, to lead and, and, and grow a business? Yeah, that's a good question. So which part, um, you know, interesting thing, you know, the I'm, I'm actually teaching at King's College, I, I'm teaching leadership and entrepreneurship. So nice. you know, I had to learn it uh, as, as part of being able to even deliver that from an academic point of view, a proper learning outcome. And um, I do recommend, you know, getting your, your, your frame of mind really right. You know, that's really, really important. Um, and what I also realized, you know, not every leadership advice applies to everybody. So it's, it's a highly individual things, you know, that we, we are, you know, we are, we are, we are all now almost 8 billion creatures on the planet, people on the planet. And, um, um, of course, you know, in all these leadership theories, whether that is situational leadership or your, let's say 16 personality traits, right. The soft skill pub. We, we always try to cast these seven and a half billion into that framework of four or eight dimensions, okay? It doesn't work. So we need to recognize that as well. So therefore, I, my recommendation is really for everybody just to scout around. You may resonate with Gary Vee. You may resonate with Porter. You may resonate with, uh, with somebody else, right? So therefore, just scout essentially that landscape. There's a lot of uh, upskilling capability on the leadership, mental mental state of uh, mind, all that. So do that. And on the tech part, sales sales and marketing, you need to understand how things work, you know, the psychology of it. In the end, that's really what's driving our economy. So I, I really recommend everybody to do it. I also recommend, and I regret I haven't done this 20 years earlier, is, is for everybody to understand how the internet eco economy really works. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, which we have very little ideas about upskill on that and then upskill on anything of course what you're doing if you're an electrical engineer learn electrical engineering if you're a cloud engineer uh, learn cloud and, and all that right so there's a there's you know just just uh, make sure you keep yourself a 360 kind of educated to be really ready in this 21st century because that's the center is very different from what my parents went through where they had to learn one skill, they were on it, they were happy. And every time I tell my mother I started a new company, she freaks out, right? So <laughs> your parents, your parents <laughs> do something similar, but that's the new normal. And for that, you need to have a much more agile mindset and a, and a much more agile ability to assimilate uh, knowledge. Forever learning, I think, is kind of my motto in a way. <laughs> You're never done. Yeah. Misha, it's been amazing to have you as our guest and you've shared some really interesting insights on leadership and valuable ideas for, for everyone who listens to this. So as we wrap up, are there any, we've got two questions just to finalize. 
One is, is there anything you would like to share with our listeners about any exciting projects that you're working on at the moment that you might like to, um, to talk about? Well, we are always on interesting things, you know, being in London, that means I can really marry the, the tech stuff we're doing with the, um, with the, with the arts part, which is still half in me, uh, presumably. So we, King's College and the National Gallery, for instance, we, we, we did a joint venture, which is called National Gallery X. And we're currently exploring how tech can help essentially the, the arts world and the other way around. We're also working a lot with uh, musicians. I work quite a lot with um, rock from Massive Attack. Uh, it's all about, you know, how can you marry that technology with, with music and performance? And um, well, currently we're gearing up, you know, to 6G as well, which is our next generation system. And people tell me, oh, Misha, this is crazy. We just got 5G. Why do you 6G already? And I remind them that we actually start with 5G in 2012 and 13. So we always need a little bit of time to design these systems to make sure when you step out of the airplane in 2030 in let's say Buenos Aires with a SIM card board in the United States, a mobile phone board in, in Asia, and you're calling somebody in the UK uh, who is also linked to Australia, it will work, right? So it takes a lot of time to design these systems. Well, it's fascinating and uh, great to get some insights into 6G. I might probably fall into the camp of going, oh my goodness, we've just got 5G. So I understand. Um, and thank you for the explanation on that. And you have a daughter. Two daughters. You, you yeah. are two daughters. Mm -hmm. So our final question to wrap up is, would you encourage your daughters to step into leadership roles and have their own business? So what, what's your views on that? Absolutely. So it's a, it's a big yes. And presumably, if I think my life is dynamic, their life will be dynamic multiplied by 10 is just minus compared to my parents. But you know, again, I, I see that as a as a leadership example, right? So we discuss with my wife and my kids, we, we always discuss stuff, you know, whether that's politics, uh, university work, or our companies, right? So and they see us with that. And they're they're already excited and they see it's possible. It's you know, all these big things which suddenly this big announcement, we've done a product, we sold, we sell stuff and we make this difference, is the result of small steps. These are dinner, dinner table discussions, right? And then you execute them somehow and you come back next week and you discuss it again. And they see that this can be big things can be broken down into small pieces. And uh, we are already having these discussions. So Noah is now almost 14 and Dahlia is, is 12. And you know they, they, they are keen to do things. They want to do things themselves. And we never told them, they just listened and uh, they assimilated that. So my recommendation to parents is just, you know, to talk about these things as much as you can. So they absorb it like a sponge, it's in here, it's in the brain. And one day suddenly something will come out. It's like inception. They will start doing things and change the world. You know? <laughs> Thank you, Misha. Yeah, no, Misha, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's been really, uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk with you. And uh, I think you've shared a lot of valuable content on, on here. Um, I really like what you said about the, the leadership being the state of mind and, and upskilling yourself. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you very much for taking the time and a uh, real pleasure to, to talk with you. Brilliant. Thanks so much and good luck with the, with the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear how this podcast has impacted your leadership. And if any of these concepts resonate with you and you'd like to find out more about leadership and business growth, go to the RGM website, rjen.co.uk.